Crafty Mama Mur, a podcast for all things crafting, mom life, and Miranda. My name is Miranda, and welcome to my podcast. Today, I'm here with my cousin, Kimmy. Hello. And we, we've got a lot to talk about today. It is my first time recording in 2024. Wow. I took off a, a month or so, um, and I guess the first caveat of this episode, I will say, is that Crafty Mummer is my side hustle and a passion project. And this, this podcast, that's what that is. But I do really enjoy that if I don't want to record, I don't have to record. So if anyone was just waiting for episodes, I'm sorry. We were all waiting. (laughs) I'm sorry. I kept you waiting, but um, I had a really good holiday break and it was super busy. Um, Moved back into my house in Minneapolis. And we are actually recording from the dining room in my house. For the first time. So first time recording an episode of 2024 and first time back in the house recording an episode. And today, Kimmy and I are going to sit down and start a three-part series about getting sober. And I will also put in, Kimmy is not sober, but she has been there to watch me through all my stages of life. Been through it all. Yep. So, and Kimmy is also a book connoisseur, I would say, if I could coin the term myself. How many books did you read last year? Actually, not that many. I know, but what is your not that many? I read, I think I made it to exactly 30 last year. Okay, that's the, I I read one book last year. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, fair. And the one book was actually recommended by you. Yes. And so we are going to do a semi-book review, and I'm going to talk about some points in there and hear what you took away, because you said you read, you reread or re-listen to that book like once a year yeah this is like the only book I have on audiobook and I read it or listen to it I don't know um I listen to it at least once a year on my like long walks I turn it on and listen to it I love it it's one of my favorites yay hold on I'm gonna tell you what the book is but I have to pull up the title so I make sure I get it right you are a badass how to stop doubting your greatness and start living an awesome life by Jen Sincero yeah so if you are looking for a book I would 10 out of 10 recommend it but I'm gonna I have some notes and points okay sprinkled in there and now I'm gonna tell you why I'm gonna tie in you are a badass to me quitting drinking so when I was listening to you are a badass there was one chapter that really stuck out to me and I had to re- listen to a few times. And it was the chapter on forgiveness. And I think you all have known if you've been listening, like I'm a very open book, but this chapter on forgiveness was something I was really struggling with. And I started thinking about like, if I owed anyone an apology, and then if I did, I would, I gave it to them last year. And I started thinking about drinking. And I wanted to start this episode with a disclaimer. I'm going to share my experience here, and I don't want anyone to feel bad about it. I don't want anyone to feel it was bad about how much I drank or if they gave me too much alcohol. Or, and so, like, it was kind of like this weird, I'm, I mean, maybe I'm, I still, like, feel bad about some of the things I've done. And, like, I think I, like, still don't know if I've been forgiven by other people. But as I was listening to that chapter on forgiveness, I wondered... Um, you know, I just, I was like, I think we can tie them together. So we're going to talk about me quitting drinking, but we also are going to talk about you are a badass and, um, key takeaways specifically on, um, 
forgiveness, I have a few notes, but just I just kind of wrote down my general notes on the book. Before we start, what would you say your like key takeaways or why re-read or re-listen to You Are a Badass every year? The book, it talks a lot about having high frequency and energy and attracting other things of high frequency and high energy that, you know, attracting things that you want. And I really like that. It also talks about, you know, your upbringing and how beliefs of your parents or your families or society can be imprinted in you and you not even fully realize that's why you feel the way you feel about certain things like money or relationships or whatever. Um, So it's about breaking that and living like your true self. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. It's I think it's a really great message for anyone to hear. I thought even her intro about what she was talking about with source energy was so yes, it it felt like when you listen to it, it was an oh, duh moment, but it was an oh, duh moment that like I hadn't thought about. It made sense as soon as I heard it. Like, I didn't question it. I was like, this absolutely makes sense, but I've never thought about this before. Yeah, I, I really like the first chapter. Maybe it's um, kind of the introduction where she talks about, you know, the self-help world and how there's like a rah-rah churchiness to it sometimes. But she doesn't really take that approach, which I appreciate. And she talks about source energy and like the, you know, just like the universe, um, which I appreciate. But I think, I mean, I think we're all connected and there's energy. and Exactly. Yeah. So, okay, so I'm going to sporadically, so what will either happen, and we'll see how this kind of goes, is I'm going to go through kind of my experience with drinking and what led me and the last day I drank, and then I'll either sprinkle in some of these nuggets or we'll do like a book review at the end. You know, it's, it's, it's my podcast. We can do what we want here. Sure. And before I go into this again, I want to say this is no one's fault. I will give my advice and tips if you find yourself in similar situations but I am not blaming anyone in this story that is my journey with alcohol for anything and I really want that to be clear because my intention is not for anyone to listen to this and say I should not have done that or I should have said something so that I just you know this is again me just like oversharing and saying what my experience is so I hope you take that but I was 14 years old when I had my first drink and it was at my cousin's wedding And I remember going up to one of my cousins and saying, could you get me a drink? And, you know, just seeing what she would say. And she got me. Do you remember what? It was was terrible. Was that our first drink? Was that your first drink, too? I don't know if it was my first drink. I can't remember. But I remember (laughs) this moment. We both took a sip and looked at each other. And I was not having it. You played it cool. You and and if you could see Kimmy and I, our eyes both went wide because I think we both just had deja vu. But our cousin got us a vodka water that is what she handed to 14 year olds old and sometimes I wonder I'm like did she hand that to be like I'm gonna get him a disgusting drink probably but she was like east coast lifestyle I think at that point so I feel like that was like classier than what the midwest (laughs) she was for her first drink but I remember drinking it and just being like this absolutely sucks and I was like this is not what people drink but um that was my first drink and then I didn't really drink again until I was 15. And I mean, I was 14 to 15. Like it wasn't like I was just all of a sudden on benders. The first time I ever blacked out, I was 15 years old, which is not anything I am proud of blacking out ever because it's not fun to lose your memory for a night. And what, and spoiler, my journey with alcohol was that like, I'd lose my memory all the time. And like, 
to a point, and I'll, I'll touch on that more later, but I remember we were 15. We stole a bottle of gin from, Ew. yeah, gin from my friend's mom. Well, okay, we didn't steal it. She poured half into a water bottle and then diluted her of course. poor mother's gin down with water, and we thought we could sneak away with all that. Oh, my God, and it was such a disaster of a night because we finished, like, half a bottle of gin in 15 minutes. We just passed it around and chugged the three of us, three 15-year-olds, by a campfire. And we were like, yeah. And we chased it with 7-Up. And I remember it was such a disaster of a night. Like, it was, it was so bad. We were like, some of us were crying. Some of us were like laughing. It was just, it was a disaster. And we walked inside. And my parents were like, what is wrong with you? And they were so mad. And I just started immediately throwing up in the mudroom. And then my friends were like, they, my parents were like, what did she take? And you know what they said? They didn't want to get caught drinking. So they were like, I think she took pills. I'm like, why? Yeah, because that's better. Right. So they're drunk and they're like, oh, I think she took pills. And my parents are like, what the hell are you three doing out there? So that was a really bad night for me. And unfortunately, like, that's how a lot of like, drinking nights happened for me in high school and again I'm not blaming anyone but like how we drank in high school was we would just chug and it was like it was like the goal was to get obliterated and wasted and I look back and sometimes I wish like oh why didn't you like slow down or like just like sip but my other thing was like I had so much fun like I would walk into high school parties and like my buddies would be like Miranda's here line them up and we'd they would pour three four five shots of Captain Morgan and I would take them like that because I was a bro. And I was like, yeah, we're getting. And so anyway, um, that's a lot of what it was like in high school. I really don't have anything good to say about like me drinking in high school because it was it tested the limits of what was extreme. But I will say one of my favorite memories of drinking with you in high school. I didn't drink in high school, mom and dad. <laughs> <laughs> so then I can't talk about the cabin. No, you can, you can talk about it. I was it. like, because I'm about to talk about us drinking. At no, you can talk about it. Um, I mean, overall, your cabin was one of the, I mean, it was a pivotal moment, I feel like, in my childhood. Like, your childhood, or your your cabin represents my childhood to me. Yeah. Because I just remember, like, playing night games and having my first crush and then, like, starting to drink and, like, all the tubing and water skiing and fishing and snorkeling. And, like, I felt like we did have a little bit more chill of drinking at the cabin because we were getting snuck mics hard and yes. not... No one had bottles of vodka. No. Where high school parties, it was all like, let's just take shots as many yeah. as we can. But in, at the cabin, it was a different vibe. And I, I loved your cabin. But one of my fav two favorite memories of your cabin, and I'm going to have one follow-up story. So we'll start with the first one, was that we would always go skinny dipping. <laughs> yes. And it did not matter if alcohol <laughs> was involved or not. <laughs> and like, we... And if anyone doesn't know, skinny dipping is where you get completely naked and go swimming in the middle of the night. And now as an adult, that would terrify me to like go in the water in the middle of the night. Like I could not swim in a body of water in the middle of the night. Yeah. And then let alone naked with like a lot of other people, most of which I'm related to. I don't know why yeah. we did it, but it was just like, that's what we, and so the, one of the funniest stories, and this must have been my junior year of high school was that, and then, sorry, they're doing tile construction upstairs. I don't think you can actually hear it, but if you hear a little whirling, whirring, that's what it is. But, um, so in high school, I, it was one of my friends um, from rugby. It was her birthday, so we went up to her parents' cabin. 
and we went to Zorba's and we met these guys. And they, I won't say what team they played for the U of M, but they were all of U of M male athletes. And they were joking and they kept, or they kept telling us they played for this team. And I just was like, BS, you're all full of it. Like, you're all liars. So, but I was like, you guys are cute. We're going to hang out. So then they were, said, let's go back to this guy's house. Like, we're going to go back. Well, it was my friend's birthday and she was the birthday girl. And so she was like, well, Miranda, you're the only other person who knows how to drive a boat. Can I drink? So actually, this is a sober story of mine, but it was fun because I was like 17 and the only one who knew how to drive a boat and it was the only one sober. I'm like, good Lord, Miranda. But so we go to this guy's house and there's like 15 guys from this team and then the seven of us we brought and then they wheeled some other girls too. So it was it was like probably 30-ish people at this person's cabin. And they go, let's go skinny dipping. And I was like, yes, great, because I love skinny dipping, whether I have alcohol or not. I was like, great. I don't know why I was later. Like, I think I was one of the last people to jump in the water. I think they had all just like ran and like got in. And so I get completely naked and jump in the water and we're swimming and we're like, it was just, it was a fun time. And all of a sudden one of the parents comes out and he's like, everyone get out of the water. Like, and he has a flashlight and I'm like, bro, put the flashlight away. Well, he shines it on all of the guys. They all kept their boxers on. Oh. And then all the girls get out and they kept their underwear and bras on and jumped in with that. So I'm the last person in the water and I'm like, why am I the only one sober? And why am I the only one naked? Because I thought like skinny dipping because of what I grew up with my childhood. <laughs> and so the dad is standing there with a flashlight and he's like, you need to get out of the water. I am not going to have someone drown. And I'm like, I'm a lifeguard. Please stop sliding the light on me. I was like, I will get out. And I was like, can someone grab me a towel? And then someone was like, are you naked? I'm like, my bad. Apparently you all have a different definition of skinny dipping than I do. And I got out of the water and like I was like holding my hands over and I like yelled at this one guy I'm like throw me the towel and he like got nervous and like fumbled it and like threw it at me it was the most awkward like cluttered thing but circling back there is a correct way and an incorrect way to skinny dip and if you ever ask me to skinny dip I will be full-on naked and please match that energy oh my god but it was it was so funny because they were like why are you naked oh god but that was a memory that didn't involve alcohol but like I guess I would say, too, like, it wasn't that I couldn't not be around alcohol without drinking, but it was I never drank sober. So, like, I would only drink if it was a party. So it wasn't like I was drinking alone, but it wasn't like I couldn't be around alcohol without drinking. Yeah. And um, so then, flash forward to your cabin, my second favorite memory there, it was my sophomore year, your junior year, and I remember because I had just got my driver's license, but I didn't have a TomTom GPS, and we didn't have smartphones. So I had to print out the directions to get to your cabin on MapQuest and look at the directions like turn left at this road. I do not know how I found your cabin in the dark, even though I had been up there a million times. But it was me and a car full of my friends. And we got to your cabin. And what I remember, okay, also I remember getting there and it was freezing because none of the heat was, was on. Was this the, the parties? Yeah, this yeah. was the party. The party. <laughs> and that was one of the most fun I've ever had at like a college or a high school party. And I feel like it started off with like 10 or 15 of us in your cabin. And then all of a sudden, there was 70 people there. And it, just for reference, the cabin is a two bedroom, one bathroom cabin. And I remember we literally made chairs out of the snow and like made like tables and benches in the snow. And we were, it was, it was a fun night. And like that night, like 
yeah, I just remember, again, I feel like it was a little more not as crazy as like some other high school parties because we had a limited amount of alcohol because we thought 15 people were going to be there and like 70 some showed up. I remember at one point like talking to someone and they were like, hey, do you know whose uh, cabin this is? And I'm like, yeah, this is my cousin's cabin. Do you know my cousin? He's like, no. And it was, it was, that was such a fun night. Um, and we had, we had, I feel like you and I had a lot of like really random fun nights sprinkled in there. Yeah, I think we... We just had a lot of fun. I mean, some of it was drinking like we're talking about, but a lot of it, I mean, wasn't either. But since you were talking about skinny dipping, I was just thinking like, I don't know if this is a bad thing, but we could probably have enough stories of skinny dipping to fill a hole. Oh, like. I, I had to stop myself because I was thinking about certain things and I'm like, no, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. But like, yeah, I, we have way too many memories. And like I said, with our fucking family, like that's why it's like funny to me. Like yeah. it, was, it was normal. Like, yeah, I don't know. it's just like freeing and yeah. it's like a fun, like exhilarating thing to do. It wasn't like a weird thing. Right, it but... was not weird. So, but that was, I would say like high school, I definitely had times where like for my nights and like people would have to like, I remember the one night I was like the most embarrassed ever was my I told my parents I was going to a party and they said you need to be home at midnight and I was sassy as hell and I said yeah sure 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 and then I was like I'm not going home at midnight like I will go home when I want to and they came and picked me up from the party oof but I was already blacked out so I don't remember them picking me up so my dad it was just it was horrible and it was like at like one of the party houses it was so bad so anyway um but as far as like my experience with drinking, like I still was in two, three sports year round. I had all A's and B's. Like I, I had this mentality, like work hard, play hard. Like I'm going to get good grades. I'm going to be, you know, president of this leader of this captain of this. And then, and it didn't really feel like there was a consequence for it because everyone was doing it. Like when I would go to party, it wasn't like I was like hanging out with low lives. Like, no, that was the soccer team and football team. Like we were just all partying like that. I think in high school too, and especially at such a young age, like it it is a lot of peer pressure, but it's also just like a lot of like social. Like you go to a party, you drink, or like there's drinks there and you know, it's just what everyone's doing. And I think too with like blacking out in high school, like it, you don't know what you're you've never done this before. Like right. you're just learning how to drink and you know, how to quote unquote party. Like mm-hmm. you're just learning. So I think like that's something like I want us to keep in mind too, but cause there's fun times and there's times where you black out and like, that's never fun, but we didn't know what we were doing. No, not, not at all. And again, like it was us doing it. Like that yeah. was not anyone else's problem. But, um, so then go into college and like my freshman year was horrible horrible and again I just wish that it was like and I talked and I meet people who say like oh I didn't start drinking until like I was 20 21 and I was like by the time I got to college I had been drinking for four four four-ish years like belligerently drinking and so like freshman year wasn't good and like I drank way too much and I threw up and I just I really get sad how like haha I laughed it off and like I carried around like a lot of shame from like some some nights but it really like sucked to be like, fuck, what happened last night? And like, it just, or like, how did I get home? Or like, why do I have a bruise here? Why? And it was, it was just, it was so irresponsible. But again, I was all A's and maybe a couple B's in there, but like my grades were great and nothing changed. So, but at that point, um, 
I realized I had essentially had a reputation like of a party girl. And I was like, I don't want to be a party girl. And so when I stopped, so halfway through my freshman year, I kind of realized like you need to do something different. So I stopped drinking. Um, I would drink here and there, but I really toned it back. Um, And I started training for soccer. And so I started working out. I started losing a lot of weight and I was like upping my protein and that was when I fell in love with cottage cheese, and now it's a staple in our house. <laughs> but I, um, but what I had realized was as soon as I stopped drinking, I didn't really have the same friends anymore because the friend group I had in college were partiers. And that's like, I remember one day, and I'm not like trying to make myself sound better by, than them by any means, but they would drink more than I would, and I would already say I drank too much. And they would stay out till 4, 5, 6 a.m. every night. And then they would sleep in and they wouldn't wake up till two, three in the afternoon. And then they would laugh about missing their classes. But I'm here. I was like, we're here for an education. Like, yeah, we can party. But like, I'm not drinking on the weekdays, like maybe Thursday nights here. But I was like, no, I want to like drink on the weekends. But like this is but it didn't feel like people had the same academic wants or desires or expectations of their college experience. So I started um, playing with the sock practicing with the soccer team. And I just quickly realized that school, I just needed to start new. So that's when I was like, you know what? I want to go to College of St. Benedict, St. John's University, because I feel like they have more values and morals and they carry, like, it's a very good university, a very good education, and they carry themselves on that. And I said, I want to go somewhere that feels that way. Yeah, I always forget that you transferred schools. I really don't talk about where I like I don't talk about my freshman year often just because I like mm, it just didn't feel like me but then the problem was I got to St. Ben St. John's and I started partying again and I wouldn't party Monday through Thursday but then Friday and Saturday night it was this work hard play hard and it was it was a different experience though going to St. Ben St. John's because everyone was like in the library studying like they were proud of their projects and presentations and the work they were doing but then they'd still go out and party And, but I met some amazing people in college, like, and again, like, that's where sometimes I think about like that forgiveness that I did and said really dumb things when I was drinking. And, you know, if you're listening to this, and I've wronged you just know, I think about it way more than you think about it, but got to St. Ben's. And then my so that fall of starting at St. Ben's, my grandma passed away. And my grandma struggled with alcoholism the entire time I knew her, like, I can't remember a time And I remember um, I was really close with my grandma because she was my only living grandparent at that point. And so she was living down in Lake Havasu City and I would fly down there at least like once, twice a year down to Arizona at least. And then I would go. So I'd probably usually do one solo trip and then I'd go once or twice with my parents, too. And we were just always going down to Arizona. And I remember one of the last conversations I really had with my grandma Um, It must have been my, it was my freshman year of college or maybe my senior year of high school. But I said, grandma, like, like you got to quit drinking. Like I'm going places like you need to stop because like I'm going to get married and I'm going to have babies and I need you to be there to watch. And she was just like, Miranda, I'm trying. And I just said, like, you need to quit. Like, look at yourself. And she was, it was so bad. It was at the point that her body would like reject food because her body thought that food was a problem because she was so used to drinking. And so when she passed away my sophomore year of college, I really was like, I think I'm done drinking. But I was a sophomore in college and you don't you don't quit drinking in college. And I wish I would have like had that chill a little bit more to like 
just drink. But then it was like, you're going to go to this party and slap a bag and like drink wine out of a bag. And we're going to go pregame before the football game. And it was just on the weekend to have a social life. I do really feel like you needed to drink. And sometimes I wish I would have. I really do wish I would have drank less. One, so I could remember some of the moments. I was on ESPN and don't remember. When they did the Tommy Johnny game, I was there. And guess what time they record that Tommy Johnny, the pre-game with ESPN? What? 6 a.m. We started drinking at 4 a.m. And from 4 a.m. to 6 a.m., we drank. And that is what Maggie and I coined as the dark ages. Because (laughs) that is when she was studying abroad. So I had like a different kind of circle of friends. And again, I don't regret any of it. But ironically, from what I have been told, the guy that I was hanging out with um, and him and I would just like drink so much and we'd get blacked out and go to soccer games. It was so fun. And we'd like heckle. It was, I mean, we had fun, but then we'd always get too drunk. But um, he's sober too now. Oh. And then I, I look at another guy who I used to party and he's a bro and like I have a lot of memories with him too. And he's sober now for like two years. Huh. And so I look at a lot of people that I used to like drink really hard with and we're all sober or have way cut back. Wow. So I do definitely think like, you know, not that I was perfect, but like we were just all, like you said, no one really teaches you how to binge drink because you shouldn't binge drink. <laughs> you shouldn't. Because yeah. you shouldn't. But um. Also, did you say that you woke up at 4 a.m. to start drinking? Yeah, because ESPN started filming at 6 a.m., so it was just a disaster. And one more story from that group I will remember. Oh, God, I got in so much trouble with this friend group because I it was, like, later in the day and I was hungry, so I put a pizza in, but then I went and fell asleep. And the pizza, I have never seen a pizza burn as black charcoal as that pizza did. And, like, the fire alarms went off and, like, the fire department had to come to check if there was a fire. And everyone was like, Miranda is never cooking a pizza again. (laughs) So, like, from that friend group, I was never allowed to cook pizza again. (laughs) Um, But I also, so, but I would say I had so many fun. I bartended throughout college and I had really fun, like, being in that atmosphere. I loved going on the dance floor. And, like, when we went out, we would just go dance. And I look back at, like the dance floor at Sal's. And I'm like, oh, good Lord, Miranda. Um, But a couple more memories. Senior year was a wild year of college. Uh, We had so much fun. And it was fun going into that year because Maggie and I had started hanging out with a different group of people at the end of our junior year. So going into senior year, we weren't sure like who are like, we're like, well, maybe we'll keep hanging out with them. Or, you know, we weren't sure who we were going to really be hanging out with. And then we ended up going to the orientation for our international students and to mentor and just show them around school. And that ended up being like our core group of friends. So our senior year was so much different than what we thought, but we were like, we had Catherine from Ireland. We had Hikru and Yamaka from Japan. We had Julie from Germany. Um, and we had a whole, a whole bunch more mixed in there, but we, that was like our group. And so they were like, you guys drink a lot because they're from Europe and Japan and like places that grow up with not binge drinking at the center. And so I feel like there were they kind of toned Maggie and us down in a really good way, um, but we still partied hard with them, and it was it was so much fun. And um, some of the memories we have Samsac, which is the senior annual mandatory something something kager annual kager. Basically, it's forty days of drinking and parties. What? And Maggie and I went to every single one. So they wow. they had theme parties. So it was like. It was like, oh, what was some of them? Like, there was an ABC party, which was anything but clothes. And I, Maggie and I made dresses out of duct tape. 
And then there was like nerds or jocks. So you either jumped or it was high school glory days where everyone wore their high school shirts. And um, there was like high school t- stereotypes. So we had scavenger hunts and that was really fun. Um, there was, oh, what was the one? Our 50 year reunion. So Maggie and I dressed up like old people and it was the funniest <laughs> thing. Great. And we like put like wrinkle lines on us with eyelight, like with eyeshadow and like put dry shampoo in our hair and pinned it up. Anyway, um, we did not miss one party. And there, I think there was only like seven or eight people who did not miss. They went to every single one. So we went to every single party and dressed up. And we did not binge drink at every one of them. Like there were some that we would be like, I mean, there were some nights where we're like, okay, we got to go to this party tomorrow and I'm just going to have one drink so we can say we went and then we're going home. Like that was, that was definitely the vibe of it. But Maggie and I had a lot of fun memories in college that did revolve around drinking. And I wanted to kind of point those out too, to be like, it wasn't all bad. And one night I did do stand-up comedy. So the only time I've done stand-up, I had many drinks in me, but I will say I got up there, did like a 10-minute set, and had the room rolling, and it was so fun. Um, And then the last memory I'll share of drinking kind of in college was my favorite night, and it was when Maggie and I were studying abroad, or no, Maggie and I were traveling in Japan, and we went to this beautiful art installation, and you walk through, and it was lights and mirrors and like um projectors it was so cool I can't even like give it justice but we walked out of there and I looked at Maggie and I said Maggie I think we're exactly where we're meant to be right now and it just like it felt like it and then we were going to meet up with some friends and we went to go um to a bar in Roppongi Tokyo which is like the downtown part of Tokyo and this bouncer handed us vouchers and he said hey you guys want a free drink at this club and Maggie and I are like we got time so we go into this bar. There's literally not a soul in this club, bar, or whatever. And but hey, Maggie and I were like, let's. It's a free drink, so we're gonna drink this. And we were like three sips away from finishing these drinks, and four Marines walked in the door. One of those is Maggie's now husband. So that was the night we met Maggie's husband and like brought him in and was like, okay, you four Marines are coming with us. We're going to go meet this, our (laughs) friend group. And we um, hung out with them all night. And then the next day, Maggie texted Harrison and was like, hey, like, we're going to go to this club if you want to show up. And he said, sure. And I was like, we're never going to see him again. And then the next night he was there. But that night was one of my favorite nights in Japan because we were at this club and it was packed, but no one was on the dance floor. And Maggie and I had memorized Beyonce's um, dance for formation. So we went up to the DJ and we're like, can you play formation by Beyonce? And literally by the end of that song, the dance floor was full. We got that club started and I, it was like a movie moment that, and I remember at one point some guys looked at us and they're like, I didn't know white girls could dance. And we were like, oh gosh, but it was so fun. And like, those are the memories I hold on to that I'm like, we we had fun times. Like, it wasn't all bad, but even though drinking and like going out to all these parties was super fun in college, it was scary um, for how easy I would black out. And so I would have people get frustrated at me and get mad at me. And they'd say like, know your limit. But my problem was I could drink three, four ciders and not catch a buzz. Or I could catch, or I could, or I could drink three to four ciders and get blacked out. And what scared me the most was that it was functioning blackout. Like I remember, it would be nights where we'd go. It was Wednesday. It was free pool at the Midi, and we went there. And I remember, I think I had two or three ciders, and then all of a sudden, I woke up at my house the next day, and I was just like, 
Maggie, what happened? She's like, oh no, we like played. We like, it was cool. Then we like walked home, ate mac and cheese and went to bed. And it wasn't, there was nothing bad that happened. And I was like, Maggie, I don't remember leaving. And she was like, really? You seemed fine. And that's what scared me more than anything. It's easy to see someone like obliterated, like who's been overserved, and you're like, yeah, they're blacked out. But it was more scary to me that I didn't have a limit. And it was like, sometimes those three, four drinks would push me over the edge, or sometimes I wouldn't even catch a buzz. And that's when I realized like, look at your grandma. She struggled with this. Look at how you are. You can't have, like, you don't have a limit. And so um, the scariest time to me in college was that we were out drinking and then I blacked out. And the next morning I looked at my phone and Maggie said, can you come get me? I'm at St. John's. And so I um, called her and said, hey, 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 I'm on my way. Like, cause we didn't live at the same apartment at that time. And she's like, Miranda, you came and got me last night. And first my heart dropped. Cause I was like, did I drive? Like my heart, like I was just like, and I had never driven drunk, but I, she was like, no, 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 you and -and so-and-so came and got me. And I was like, what? So I went and grabbed one of our guy friends, told them, hey, we got to go grab Maggie from St. John's. And I was like drunk. It wasn't like this was coherent or anything. We went and got Maggie, drove back to St. Ben's, dropped her off at her apartment. And then I went back to my apartment, went to bed and then woke up the next day. And it just scared me that I could be moving around functional and not remember it, but also be moving. I went to two different cities like that just and so it was like end of senior year like I definitely knew like you need to cut back but then it was when I started working for the NBA and alcohol was at every event we had and it was a party and it was it was great we were downtown it was a fun time but then I remember hearing someone had lost their job because of something they had said drunk at an event and I realized you are not going to let alcohol take that from you and you've got to figure it out well then that weekend I <laughs> went to do a fundraiser for Survivor and it were, or my buddy hosts an event. It's called Live to Give and you donate and you fundraise and then it's like Survivor themed. So they break off in teams and um, we did an overnight and I remember like there's little challenges and I like slept on the sand, like on this beach essentially. And then the next morning I had, a, they, we had to like go to tribal or whatever is where you vote someone off. And I thought I was safe because I had felt like, you know, people had my back. Well, then they voted me off the island, this metaphoric island. And one of the guys was like, bye, bitch. And it literally wrecked me. And I, my mouth just dropped. What? Yeah, he was. And then I like never even rewatched the season because it was all filmed because I was just like, I just felt so backstabbed and I realized like that's what the show like the show is all about like alliances and like strategy and whatnot but I remember like I was supposed to be at that survivor event all weekend and I got kicked off Saturday morning and I just was devastated so I actually came back to this house because at that point in 2017 I lived in the same house that I'm recording from right now and texted some friends I'm like we're going out tonight and we got to the bar and it was super fun and it was it had been like Let's see. It had been three months since graduating. So we were running. We were in uptown running into a bunch of people. And then this guy I used to talk to, like, started buying me drinks. And I was like, sure, why not? And it was the same thing. Like, if someone bought me a drink, I would always drink it. Well, we started drinking Long Islands and then one Long Island down, one, two Long Islands, three Long Islands. And the next day I woke up back at the house in Minneapolis with a shattered window, blood all over me. 
grow like it did not smell good in there because I had known like I either threw up in this room or something happened like it did not smell good and it smelled just like Long Island's too and I looked at my phone and my family friend texted me and said hey I heard you had a rough night we love you but you have to move out and that was like the hardest thing because they were letting me stay here for free at that point and then I was just like I have to move out I called my aunt and I said I need to quit drinking. And she said, I know, I know, I know. And this aunt has been sober for 30 plus years now at this point. And I just hysterically cried. And I said, what am I going to do at weddings at the cabin? What am I going to do at events? What am I going to do at concerts and games? And she said, Miranda, you will just do it. You will do. And I called my little brother and I was mortified as I called my what 18 year old brother, 16 year old brother. And I said, Micah, you need to come move me out of this house. And in one day, as I cried, we packed up this whole house and I moved out and I moved back in with my parents and I just was mortified. I was like, I was living in the cities for free, like a family friend let me and I got kicked out. And so that whole summer (laughs) I spent doing landscape for them and I pulled weeds and I sat, um, I cleaned their house and I like, just was like, put my pride on hold and just, I, I was so embarrassed and that's where I'm going to kind of stop for now because that's that is my journey with alcohol from when I started drinking at 14 to when I quit drinking at 22 years old only a year after when most people start drinking but do you have anything to say kind of regarding my journey with alcohol and drinking or anything that stuck out to you yeah I think like when we were in high school because we're only a few months apart a grade apart in school but in high school you know it's just I didn't really notice anything and like I was very much at the same part in my life and I think once we both were in college you know kind of the same thing but then after school is where like I feel like where things turned a new leaf and like I remember I don't know if you want me to tell this story but I remember when you came to visit me in Boston and I was drinking too. I was not in a good state of mind, but uh, we got in a huge fight. Yeah. And like I was at a work event. Also, if you're in your, you know, younger 20s and you're just starting out your career, if you're at a if you're at a company that is has a culture of drinking and partying at work, just know, like Miranda said, there is a line. Like there is a very, it might be hard to find, but there is a line of where, mm-hmm. you know, you should go with your drinking and your behavior. And I was still trying to figure that out in my young 20s because my company was very focused on partying. Right. Because you guys like had a beverage cart, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> so I was in sales. Um, I was working out in Boston at the time. And this company was very focused on partying, like work hard, play hard. And I couldn't really figure it out. Um, but yeah, at like four o'clock on Fridays or even like Thursdays, sometimes there would be a beer cart come around and they would serve us alcohol while you were working, while like we were working. And I'm convinced it's so that they could get us to stay longer. And also in our same building on the first floor, the cafeteria turned into a full functioning bar at like mm-hmm. four o'clock. And it was so easy, like so typical for us to, you know, have a beer from the beer cart because it was free. Yeah. And then then go downstairs and have drinks so like my a lot of my paycheck went towards this bar um but anyways I digress um 
I remember when you came out to Boston and like that was really tough. We got into a huge argument. Mm-hmm. I was at a work party. I was so excited for you to be in Boston and we just blew up at each other. We both had our own like struggles with drinking that day and I think like your priority a lot of the time was to keep partying and yeah. like do it your way and like that was really tough. Um like being your friend like to you know you're like nope, I want to keep partying and I want to go here. And so it's like, "Oh, okay." And that's what I think. It just like, it was like the party never stopped. It was like, no, exactly. we, we got to keep I mean. going. We got to keep going. And like, I would have blinders on and I was so boy crazy too. Like, so if I met uh, a guy, yes. yeah, yeah, I knew that's what you're like. Kind of, I'm like, I don't know, I know, I know. I, I. Um, but I would like be so like, this is what we're doing. And like, that was people ask like what were you like when you drink I'm like oh I was like the biggest PDA like I just wanted to dance and like kiss and like that was and it was like it wasn't fun for people to be around and like it wasn't fun to like have it told back to me either and so like people are like well what would you be like if you drank I'm like this much louder I would be about like I would be louder than I am already and I know my baseline is very high for most people but yeah I like was so boy crazy then and like so driven like let's just go party and let's make memories and have fun blah 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 yeah but I think like something that I noticed about you growing up is like you wanted to be part of the party and so it's not like the drinking but the drinking was part of it Mm -hmm. like we would be at memorial weekend and like the older cousins would be going out and you were like no I'm going with you like I want to party yeah and it's like Miranda we're 15 like we can't go but I would (laughs) I mean you can get in any bar in Wisconsin but I think that's part of it you just wanted to be involved and you wanted to be included and like party and be social and like that's your thing and so I think like once you took the drinking out of it, which I guess we'll talk about a little bit, but I just think, you know, you wanted to be part of the party yeah, and that involved drinking. Yeah, it did for sure. Well, regarding Boston, I know I did piss you off, so I am sorry about yeah, that. Yeah, I think I cried in a bathroom stall. <laughs> <laughs> this sounds about right. But, but yeah, it was just, I think it was like very like selfish and like my way or the highway when I was drinking, but it wasn't because I was like, I was selfish. It was just because like I had blinders on of what yes. I wanted to do and I just wanted to um, party. And then I will also say for me, I had never drank alone. Like, so sometimes when people talk about like alcoholism, they're like, or like drinking, they're like, yeah, I was like drinking like this X, Y, and Z. And I was like, no, I have never sat alone and drank. I literally, because it was always, I wanted to be at a party. And even when we would have girls night and like girls night in with quotes on it, Maggie and I'd be like, should we go to the bar now? And we'd be, yeah. And we were like, we're not going to drink and stay in. Like, it was just weird to us that like, why would we stay here? We're going to go out. And that was our theory. So like, if we were drinking, we were going out. I have never sat in. I don't even think I've sat in for like a girl's night for the entire night. Like we always needed to go do something. So that was my journey with drinking. And like I had said at the beginning, um, I really hope no one felt that I was blaming them for it because I take responsibility. It was me drinking. No one forced me. But kind of circling back to the you are a badass, I'm just going to start going through my points and you can piggyback off of them too. But one of the biggest things I thought about was what you focus on becomes your reality. And again, it seems like an oh duh moment, but she talked about like your thoughts control your reality and to forgive, you have to forget because it's only going to affect you if you hold on to it. It's not going to affect the person you're trying to forgive or forget. And I have been thinking about forgiveness and like trying to like take away points. And I do feel like it's getting better. But they one point she makes in the book is she says, if you're trying to forgive a person, you have to try to think about them as a child and think about them with compassion. Because it's easier to look at a hurt person 
or a hurt child and forgive them than it would to be an adult. And that's not to excuse the person, but she also like reminded, reminds you in the book, like forgiveness is for you. It's not for the other person. So if you're sitting there wanting someone to apologize, that's never going to apologize. You still have to forgive them, even if they're not sorry. And I like went back and forth with this. I like called one of my professors. I was like, how do you forgive someone who's not sorry and like who has no apology? And she's like, I F that. I think you don't have to forgive or forget. Like, I think you need to like hold them accountable. But she talks about forgiveness in there. And that chapter I had to read a few times. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to, I'm drawing a blank on this chapter. Is this where she talks about the cute little bunny rabbit? Like you have to look at someone like a cute little bunny. I think so. Yeah. Cause she talks about like looking at them as a child and she's like, it's easier to like think, oh, that's like they were a kid once and like think about them as a kid and with compassion. But I think it's a good point of like forgiveness is not for them. It's for you Mm -hmm. because holding on to something and like holding on to anger or a grudge, like that takes a lot of energy. Like that's a lot of work. It takes so much energy. But I also think like forgiving and forgetting don't always go together I don't think so either I I think they rarely go together I think I what I was thinking about it like with forgiveness it's it's like choosing to forgive and then choosing to not think about them it's not that you forget about it but you're not letting your thoughts control your reality because if you sit there and think I'm so mad at them I'm so mad at them it's going to just keep repeating in your head yeah but you have to like choose like I don't want to think about this anymore like you know what they did that I don't know why but like you have to forgive them and then choose to stop thinking about it but not forget yeah um and then some other points from the book and I don't know if this is going to even fit in all that well but I just wanted to do a semi book review because I thought they had really good points in there she's she talks about a lot and this is in like multiple books I have been reading too is surround yourself with people you want to be like yes and it's all about the people you surround yourself with and you know, I could look back at my time in college and like my freshman year, no one cared about their education, but I was at college to get an education and it's surrounding yourself with people. And I am really glad I made that switch to St. Ben St. John's because it felt like, I mean, even though we partied hard at St. Ben St. John's, people cared about their educations. Yeah. I mean, I think that's such a good point though. And I really like that when she talks about it in the book, because um, don't they say like you're a reflection of the people that you spend time with? And so I think if, you know, you spend time with people that you really want to like strive not to become, but like minded mm-hmm. or, you know, for you, you want to read books, like why don't you hang out with people that read books or like are, um, eh. Yeah. One of my other notes was other people are mirrors to ourselves and we think they are awesome because we see something in them that we are, whether we know it or not. Yeah. So that was another note was the majority of pain and suffering in our life is because of the unnecessary drama we create in our thoughts, which become our reality. So true. And then the last note I have is stop listening to melancholy music and change up what you're taking in. If the song reminds you of a person, you don't have to take it back. You can delete it while you heal. You don't have to be right. You just have to forgive. Mm -hmm. And that's been like something I've been working on that, you know, I am, I know I'm a very like powerful person and like stubborn and like ag- aggressive. And like, I don't, if I want to listen to a song, I want to listen to a song. And I'm like, it doesn't matter if this song reminds me of that person, but it's like, you can be softer and you don't have to take this back and you don't have to be healed and whole right now. Like you can take a step back. 
And momentum is a wonderful thing. So just start because done is better than perfection. And so that I'm going to talk a little bit more on that note when I do a different episode about growing on social media, because so many times people won't start because they want it to be perfect. But your website doesn't have to be perfect. Your first video you post doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be done. So anyway, that was my journey with alcohol. It's a lot, but I wanted to kind of lay out the framework. So the next episode I'm going to do about how to stay sober. And then the episode after that will be how to love someone who is sober, whether it is a friendship or a relationship. So Kimmy, thank you for recording this. Yes, thank you. Thanks for being here. And she'll be joining us next on the next episode as well. But thank you for listening to Crafty Mama Murr, a podcast for all things crafting, mom life, and Miranda. Find me on any social media as Crafty Mama Murr and follow along for more parts. Bye. Bye. Mama, mama. Mama. Crafty Mama Murr.